Today's episode will be of interest to anyone who's ever wondered whether doctors need to pay tax on the cremation form income that we sometimes receive. We also discuss whether accountancy exams are harder than medical school exams. And for those of you that are fans of Ed's tax trivia, we find out why the phrase burning the candle at both ends actually originates from an ancient piece of tax legislation. So if that's not enough to keep you listening right till the very end, frankly, I just don't know what is. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So I'm delighted to be joined back in the Medics Money podcast studio by my colleague, Ed. Yep. Hi, guys. Uh, great to have you back here. You've had a few weeks away from the podcast, working on uh, lots of projects that we're doing in the background, which yep. you guys are going to find about real soon. So thanks for that. We just also, we always say thanks at the start, but uh, last month, over 4,000 people listened to our podcast. Um, we've had some great feedback. So thank you to everybody who's telling your colleagues about us and uh, spreading the word and that you're we're delighted you're finding it useful yeah thanks a lot guys yeah and so last week or last time you were on we read out uh, one of our reviews and which also contained a question but we also have another review today so uh, um we've got nine five star ratings on itunes and dr d uh, has said that this is a must listen for all junior doctors starting out and wish we had this before. So thanks, oh, Dr. Nice. D. Yeah, thank you. That's very kind. And if you do want to leave us a review uh, and or ask us a question, the uh, reviews in iTunes are a pretty good place to do that. Yeah, uh, it means a lot to us as well because we don't really know how people are, you know, see hearing this podcast, if they like it or not. It's, it's nice to get some good feedback. Definitely. And I or think we're, feedback. yeah, exactly. And we're both um, not kind of, outgoing sort of people so uh we were a bit nervous at the start we still are a bit nervous so it's great to be receiving the feedback that you guys are finding it useful and we've got so much more amazing content coming including today um but one thing that we uh are getting a lot of questions on is about the fact that you are not only a doctor well recently qualified gp you just cct'd so congratulations for that but you're also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor yep that's quite an unusual combination. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. people want to know is, were the accountancy exams harder than medical exams or vice versa? What's harder? It's a really good question. I mean, it's a little bit difficult to answer in the sense that they are quite different different things. So the accountancy exams, I think overall, I found the medical school exams harder. Hmm. The accountancy exams, um, the first one I did, so I did my sort of um, chartered accountancy exam. I thought that was that was okay. It was quite tricky, but it was okay. The worst bit was a kind of there's a weird four hour exam you have to do at the end with loads of information they give you. The tax ones, which I did afterwards, so did my um, chartered tax advisor who came afterwards. That was quite tricky because I mean they basically only a third of people ever pass it, so the pass rate is really really low. But I found that okay. The thing that really scuppers me is I really hate any sort of exam, and you don't get this in accounts exams. Any sort of exam where you're being watched. Uh, or monitored so I really hated uh, the OSCEs um, for at King's and I really hated the um, just likewise I really hated the um, clinical skills assessment for my GP exam which I managed to get in just before COVID shut the whole thing down yeah the idea of just being watched even if I th- don't think I'm going to do badly which I normally underestimate myself and think I'm going to do badly 
I get so stressed out with someone watching me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, really freaks me out. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think medical school exams many because I really hate, um, really, really hate the Oscies. And the written exams were, were multiple choice, which actually they can be, you know, quite misleading as well. They try and trick you. Yeah, it's a different skill set, uh, MCQs, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you're a chartered accountant, but you also did an extra qualification in tax. And we were yeah. talking about this briefly before we came on. Yeah. Because not all accountants would have that additional tax exam, which sounds only a third of people ever pass. Yeah, each, each time the exam is sat, the pass rate was about 36%, I think, when I did it. Um, did you pass the first time? Yes. Yeah, I did. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just... just <laughs> Like I remember being really nervous. You basically found out. Um, you found out the way you found out your result was a bit strange. But when you found out in the in the times, I went to a uh, met, met up with some friends, um, and we uh, just waited for the the evening edition of the times that night um, to reveal if I actually got my uh, got passed or not. And you basically yeah, you find out if your name's in the times or not. And if it is, then then you've uh, then you passed. So yeah, it's uh, you didn't have to, didn't have to do it. I I could have just rested on the the chartered accountancy exams. But um, because I was actually in tax and you do a lot of tax work in your child accounts exams. So I didn't have to do any more tax work. I kind of figured that if I was going to actually, um, w- you know, do a job in tax, it would make sense to also have that tax qualification, get a bit of extra knowledge. Yeah. Why so, not do uh, a crazy difficult <laughs> exam just for fun? Hey, uh, I love how antiquated that is that, that they publish the results in the Times newspaper. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're, we... All of us are very grateful that you did do that extra tax exam because that allows us to mine your knowledge and distribute yeah. it via this podcast and our Medics Money website. And we are going to use some of that tax knowledge today mm-hmm. to talk about something that we get loads of questions on. And I don't think there's much good quality information out there about this. So okay. what are we going to talk about today? It's going to be a relatively short topic today. I thought we'd talk about the taxation of uh, cremation form income. Brilliant. Because I know that can cause a lot of confusion amongst doctors as to how that income is taxed, when they should tell um, HMRC, if they have to do a tax return and all these sort of questions that we get asked quite a lot. So I thought we'd cover all that today. And, you know, I'm really appreciating that COVID has changed things currently, you know, given that it's October 2020 and things have changed a bit. So, um, you know, things are a bit, a bit fluid at the moment. You know, most people listening will know that fees are paid to doctors by undertakers in order to provide that certification that's required for cremation. Usually two certificates required, one by the deceased doctor uh, or the part one doctor, one by a second independent doctor, the part two doctor, and both get paid for the service. That's it. That's normally the non-COVID sort of rules. Yep. And yeah, it just causes a lot of confusion. You can only get this get this check for however much money it is. I think it was £82 uh, recently. And a lot of people think, well, actually, what do I do with this money? Do I tax it? Do I tell anyone? Do I do anything about it? Um, so, yeah, I thought we'd, uh, we'd go for that. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to clear up. Okay, so, I mean, given that COVID's changed things a bit, we're not going to get too much into that detail, but yeah. how are cremation fees classified in terms for income tax? Yeah, so how the income is classified for income tax purposes is, is really, really key to uh, understanding how it's actually taxed. Okay, and it's really important for uh, for doctors to know to know this. Okay, so HMRC, they've stated their policy on the treatment of such payments in what they call their um, their business income manual, which is basically a, a kind of a guidebook for tax inspectors. Uh, a little bit like, you know, we have their nice clinical knowledge summaries and you can go and look up the guidelines on there. If a tax inspector is not really sure, you know, what they should be doing about something, they can go to their... Uh, business income manuals or in fact any of their manuals you know yeah there's employment manuals other things like that but uh-huh. what we need to know for this one is is in the business income manual okay do you um, have a reference for that for any geeks out there that might want to look at the uh 
Of course, of course. Uh, it's <laughs> if, you, if you Google uh, BIM54015, you should find exactly what you're after. BIM54015. Yep. For all those doctors out there who are really keen to really get into the nitty gritty of this, I'm sure you guys have got, you know, lots of spare time and would love to read that. Um, but if you don't want to read it, you know, just, just carry on listening and I'll explain to you what it all says. And what it says in terms of the classification, so the guidance is as follows. So, um, you know, if a doctor is self-employed, you know, for example, in general practice or general practice uh, locum, uh, these fees have to be included in the calculation of their profits, okay? So they're considered to be taxable earnings. There's nothing really surprising about that. So if you're, say, a self-employed locum, you receive some commission from income, you include them in your income and you calculate your profits and you pay income tax on the profits. Okay. That's all fairly kind of standard mm-hmm. stuff and nothing really that interesting for what we're going to talk about yeah. today. Okay. So that's for self-employed doctors. For self-employed doctors, okay. yeah. 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 We're not really going to talk about what happens if you get, um, if you actually operate as a company. I mean, basically, I imagine it's the same thing. It gets taxed as profits in that company. Yeah. Um, but we'll, this is um, from the business income manual. Okay. Yep. So business income, not company income. Okay. Now, more interestingly... Okay, and this is where it's important. Okay, where the doctor is an employee, the fees are assessed as what the revenue class is miscellaneous income. Okay, the exception is um, if your commission fee income gets paid directly to a charity, then they'll just assume it's not miscellaneous income. They'll assume it's not taxable on you, it's just gone to the charity. I don't know if that, how many people that really applies to, but that's just something to bear in mind. Yep. They, they deliberately put that in their menu. But mainly the key thing here is that it's taxed, or sorry, it's assessed as miscellaneous income, okay? So mm-hmm. self-employed doctors, you know, your commission fee in, uh, fees are part of your tax earnings, as you'd expect, and taxed accordingly. Not their interest in employed doctors, uh, your commission fee income is assessed as miscellaneous income. Okay, so you're stressing this miscellaneous income point. Uh, so say I'm an employed doctor working at a hospital and I receive commission form fees, then these are taxed as miscellaneous income. Why is that important? Yeah, okay, so because HMRC, they consider cremation fees as miscellaneous income and not no and not employment income, uh, it's really advantageous, especially uh, nowadays. Until the, the tax year that ended on the 5th of April 2018, or, you know, in, in common parlance, the 2017-18 tax year, Cremation fees were charged uh, to income tax, charged one as income tax at the employee's marginal rate. Okay, so usually sort of twenty percent or forty percent uh, in those days, uh, and the rates were the same in Scotland uh, at those times as well. And the taxpayer was really required to notify HMRC of that income and pay income tax. One thing just to clarify for people if they're interested, you know, it doesn't apply, national insurance doesn't apply because that only applies to employment income and not anything that's classed as miscellaneous income. Just a, an aside. That's there. a good point. Okay. And um, if you're interested in national insurance, you should definitely check out our podcast that we did about that, which was yes. uh, really interesting, that one. So it's great that you clarified that. Okay. Yeah, so that's that. So, you know, the key thing is that things changed from the 6th of April um, 2018. Okay. So from that point, the government introduced something called the trading income allowance. And that's a £1,000 allowance, tax-free allowance for property and trading income. Okay. Now, it was introduced uh, mainly because of the rise in the number of uh, eBay traders that were out there, sort of selling sort of odd things on eBay. Um, and essentially, anyone trading on eBay, you're technically making a, a a trade, a tradable profit. So you basically owed income tax on those profits. You had to notify HMRC and, and pay tax, and that began to cause a lot of uh, a lot of problems from HMRC. So first of all, 
a lot of people were completely unaware that they owe tax. You know, let's say, you know, I sold some um, some clothing on eBay uh, and made, you know, 50 quid or whatever. You know, I would ne- wouldn't necessarily know that actually, in theory, I was meant to pay income tax on that 50 quid. So a lot of people didn't have any any clue what they're meant to be doing. And then even the, and always those that did know what they were meant to be doing uh, and did obey the sort of tax legislation, they only really kind of owe quite small amounts. So HMIC were getting bombarded by lots of people telling them, well, I, have to, I pay tax on this, doing tax returns. You know, HMIC were then collecting really small amounts of money. And the admin cost was just really burdensome, um, way more than the money they were going to get from all these sort of small eBay traders. So they deliberately exempted the first um, £1,000 of this type of income every tax year. And I can kind of, there are probably a lot of people out there at the moment listening to this and maybe yourself, Tommy, just wondering what on earth kind of links someone selling items on eBay with um, cremations. Mm. And it's a very good question. But most importantly for us, okay, the trading income allowance uh, under revenue rules also covers miscellaneous income from the provision of services. Okay, Hmm. so there's a lot more to the trading income allowance, you know, like everything in tax, there's like a million different things about everything. But focusing on the most important points for doctors, okay, if you're an employee and you've received less than a thousand pounds in cremation fee income in the the tax year, which is very likely, you don't owe HMRC any tax because this allowance applies automatically and you don't need to tell HMRC about the cremation fees, okay. And that really simplifies everything massively. So if you're, you know, a doctor listening to this podcast, you work in a hospital, you've done a few cremation forms, you've received a few checks from funeral directors, uh, and you're worried that you owe tax on these, then you shouldn't worry because you should be absolutely fine, okay? And you don't need to sell HMRC or pay any tax, okay? Sounds good. Okay. Um, So it sounds like a lot of doctors out there won't need to pay tax on their cremation fees, but... What about those who are in the lucky position where they did receive more than a thousand pounds of cremation in in the year? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question because we do have um, uh, a blog on on this, um, so you know people can check it out on our, on our website. But we do get still get questions asking that sort of thing, which should be covered in there. But you know, yeah. it's a very common question we get. You know, I I, I earned x amount of money it's over a thousand pounds what do i do about it okay so i thought we'll just cover that here as well so if you're in the position that you haven't more than a thousand pounds in commission fees perhaps you're in like a, a palliative care job or or whatever um then you need to uh, pay tax on the excess okay so i don't know for example if you earned 1250 pounds you'll pay tax on the 250 that's the excess over okay. the 1000 yep. um if you complete a tax return already, so some people out there will have to do tax returns for other reasons. Um, you know, there are many reasons why people do them. If you do do that, if you do do a tax return already, then you need to put it in what's called box 17, okay, so basically other income on page three of your main tax return, okay? I recommend that you put in the net amount of the trading, uh, the net amount after the trading allowance deducted uh, and maybe make a, make a note in the, when it asks for other information, um, you can just say, you know, where that, where that money's come from, okay? If you don't complete the tax returns, I imagine a lot of people out there, I imagine a lot of people, this won't, you know, impact them at all because a lot of doctors listening to this will say, well, I earn way less than a thousand pounds in information from income. So great news for them, yep. no tax return, no, yep. no information, they don't have to do any, tell HMRC anything and they don't have to pay any tax. But for those of you who don't do a tax return and did get over a thousand pounds commission from income, you can also um, go on your personal tax account and change your tax code to reflect this new income that you've got, okay? So you don't have to do a tax return if you don't already, just because of cremation from income. In fact, HMRC would definitely not be thanking you if you try and do a tax return. They don't want any of that kind of admin burden. It takes them a lot of time to look through these things. So 
they won't be best pleased. So if you do owe some money from creation for income, you can just change your tax code yourself to allow the HMRC to claw that money back from you. Okay. So I, every, I'm pretty sure every, I can't remember this. I'm pretty sure every single podcast, I'm coming over anywhere I haven't done this. I bang on and on and on about getting a personal tax account set up. If you haven't already, please, please, please do it. It's really easy. You can go to our website and get a guide to setting it all up. And on that, it's a wealth of information. Okay. And as I say, including on that, in the personal tax account, you can look at your tax code for the year and you can change it yourself by clicking through various options, various buttons, which I'm, I can go through now if you want. And you can tell HMRC, I owe, let's say, £100 in commission form income tax and they can take the money back off you each month via tax code. The only thing to say about that is if you do change your tax code yourself and say, I owe this money, then um, HMRC will just assume that it stays at that level every year subsequently. So you need to keep an eye on it and change it. Okay, that seems pretty important. So you need to update it every year. Yeah, that's it. So I um, I mean, let, let's say, for example, I owe £100 in tax for um, commission from income. I change my tax code. So HMRC every month will collect a little bit of that £100 off my salary each month. But they'll assume that I always owe £100 if yeah. more, unless I'd say otherwise. So, you know, you need to keep an eye on that. And it may increase, of course, you know, maybe next year I owe £150 in, in tax. Yeah. So we can change that as yeah. well. I mean, you said um, it would be good to talk through how to do it. I think that might be useful, actually. I mean, it's notoriously yeah. hard to do a visual subject like this uh, yeah. on a podcast, but um, yeah, that's, that's something else that you're working on on one of our top secret projects, which you'll find out about soon. But, you know, so you, you logged into your personal tax account. Yep. Take us through it screen by screen. Yeah, because absolutely. I think one thing that your guides do really well and everybody says is it takes you through step by step, screen by screen, because the personal tax account is great. Uh, but the layout uh, is horrible. The user interface is horrible. Mm. Uh, and unless you know what buttons to collect, it, click, it's not very useful. So do you want to just quickly run us through what buttons I need to click? Yeah, definitely. And it's a funny old thing, the personal tax account, because it's um, such a great idea and such a great resource. And then just HMRC just really complicate things by hiding it in different places. And I don't know I don't know why, you know, they it's in their interest to make it user-friendly but and and it's a great thing that they set it all up but yeah they just i don't know i don't know what's wrong there it's just tricky sometimes to find out what you actually need to do so i'll, I'll run through it fully appreciate you know as i say it's difficult when you're listening rather than sort of seeing something visually but um you if could you, play this back slowly yeah, you while slowly, you're logged in yeah. and, to, and write, write it down yeah and, yeah. and it, oh, yeah well, when you're logged in absolutely yeah, yeah. so what you need to do is you, you know log onto your personal tax account Click on the, the pay as you earn button. So you'll get various different boxes that come up. One of them, I think the first one on the left says pay as you earn or P-A-Y-E. So you just click on that and then you can click on a, you know, either the current tax year. I think it actually automatically takes you to the current tax year. Or if you owe money, if you're worried because you owe money from previous tax years, you can go into that previous tax year. Okay. Uh, and once you're in the, the correct tax year uh, and the correct tax year is the one in which you receive the income. So if I received... Um, let's say I received a cheque for £82 today and I knew that was taxable, um, then it's October 2020, so that would be in the 2020 to 2021 tax year. Yep. Okay, so that's so when you actually receive the money is when you, um, we, is, yeah, that's relevant, is a date that's relevant for tax purposes. Yeah. Okay, so once you're there, um, at the bottom of the screen, you'll see an option that's, that says... Um, if the income details for the year are wrong, you can send us an update. And then if you kind of click on the the word update, which got a hyperlink, you can then um, you know update your details. You get an option to say update my details now. Yeah. And you just complete that box saying what you what you uh, what you want to do. So you know you can if you owed one thousand two hundred fifty. Sorry, if you received one thousand two hundred fifty pounds 
a commercial income. Yep. What I recommend is you deduct the one thousand pound trading allowance because that's tax free. That's for tax free. Yep. yep. And just um, and say you know the you owe let's say in this case two hundred fifty pounds. And then in the box, it says, you know, what's going on? Because they want some information. You can say, I received taxable miscellaneous income of X and would like, you know, the resulting tax due to be taken via an adjustment to my tax code. And HMIC will see all that. They should understand what that means. And then they'll readjust your tax code. They tell your employer to change your tax code, reduce it slightly so that they can then claim back more tax each month. Uh, to recover the money that they they owe, and they prefer that. You know, they are going to get their tax spread over X number of months, and uh, they're not going to get it up front. But they actually much prefer that than someone doing a tax return because um, they just don't want the admin burden. They just don't have enough time. Yep. So okay, well, um, that was a super useful summary. I'm conscious that we haven't done any tax trivia today. Um, do you want to summarize what we've done today, and then if you've got any tax trivia, I think. We would definitely need to hear the tax trivia. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so I do have some tax trivia. You'll all be very pleased to hear. But yeah, summary, you know, long story short, although actually it's been a fairly short podcast, I guess. But anyway, in summary, if you're a doctor employed by trust, you're receiving cremation fees less than a thousand pounds. So the, I imagine the vast majority of doctors, um, you don't need to pay income tax on these fees and you don't need to inform HMRC. And I don't think it really gets any simpler than that in, in the world of tax, which is hideously complicated. There are what, like something like 34 different taxes in the UK, probably more actually nowadays because Scotland and Wales have uh, separate taxes as well. So, you know, it's all very complicated. It's probably one area where actually things are really clear cut and, and simple. Of course, if you're self-employed or via a company, you know, do as you would. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, you're right. Tax is hideously complicated and commiserations to the 66% of people that didn't pass the exam first time that you did. Um, which brings us on to those of you that have listened right to the end. The reward is some tax trivia, if the reward is the right yeah, word to I'm, use. I'm it. not sure reward's the right word. And <laughs> uh, But yeah, just a, a small, um, small piece of tax trivia because I know um, a lot of people um, seem to really like the tax trivia, which I think I only started off saying because I, you know, of my sort of geeky interest but actually it seems to be quite popular so um this time around i wondered if we should maybe quickly mention where a certain phrase is used quite a lot comes from so i um i'm one of those sort of people that if i've got something to do like you know i'm revising for an exam or i've got like uh maybe maybe you know writing a medics money podcast on print form income i might work quite late into the night and then get up really early which is not something i like doing get up really early to carry on working so you get a phrase which i'm sure everyone's heard of called uh, burning the candle at both ends doctors are notorious I think, for burning yeah. a candle at both ends absolutely accountants also Def- yep definitely absolutely especially yeah. when it comes to january and everyone's submitting their tax returns and you really have to uh, go hell for leather to try and get everything done <laughs> and i yeah i definitely burn the candle at both ends you know that's just how i how i, how yeah, I roll yeah. really um and it basically nowadays it means something that's kind of i guess unsustainable in the long term or it's got that quite clear-cut meaning hasn't it in terms of the hours that people are working but the phrase meant something else um when it was first used because basically from the really from the early 1700s i think 1709 up to the 1830s great britain had a had a tax on candles so you had to pay a license to make candles and you had to buy a tax every time you bought candles so a lot of people couldn't afford it or didn't want to pay the money so they began to avoid the tax by using rushes or you know long plants uh, dipped in animal fat to burn them Nice. They weren't very good at producing light. So you could, you had a choice basically, or obviously you could you could pay the tax and buy a candle, but a lot of people didn't want to do that. So you had a choice. Um, you could burn the candle at both ends and get extra light, but the light would last, it would basically burn really quickly. Yep. 
or you could burn it at one end, not get particularly great light, but be more kind of um, frivolous, um, not frivolous, sorry, the other way around. You could be more, um, you know, uh, efficient yep. with your candle. Yeah. You know, burning the candle at both ends in those days basically meant someone who's actually basically a reckless waste, you know, because it's felt much more, you know, in Victorian times, much more efficient to be uh, just burning at one end nice. for, for your candle. But, um, yeah. you know, I guess you could argue it does lend itself to the same sort of meaning as unsustainable because if you do burn a candle by friends it's going to burn much quicker you're going to I guess burn out more quicker like you know if you work really long hours yep. all the time unless um, you have like four or five cups of coffee which we have already today and oh it's yeah not even yeah I've had about six I think and yeah, I'm really, yeah. Uh, really buzzing at the moment yeah and it's, I just think it's a really good example of, of when tax um, kind of changes human incentives you know the ta- any tax that the government introduces can w- have an impact on, on how we behave what we do you know, the most famous being, I'm sure everyone's heard of something called the window tax, when people began bricking out their windows um, to avoid the tax. Likewise, um, fireplace taxes, people just pick up their fireplaces. You know, when they put a tax on um, they put a tax on hats, people just began to not call them hats anymore. And so the government had to change the term to head headgear. You know, they've taxed playing cards in the past. People just began to make their own from bits of paper. It you know, sounds like we've got really pretty like... much an unlimited supply of tax trivia. Yeah. Fireplaces, <laughs> windows, hats, cards. There's, yeah, I mean, there's not a huge amount to uh, to say other than the fact that they, the government have constantly tried to get more more revenue. If, you're, if you've ever seen um, really, really, you know, old paintings and, you know, etc. people wearing kind of wigs in the olden days, the reason why, one reason why we don't wear them anymore from the fact they're, they're a bit silly, um, but they kind of went out in the 1800s because they put a tax on wigs. So people get so wear, so wearing them. Yeah, I mean, um, taxation does change behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it really should um, be, you know, changing the behavior of, of, of doctors listening to this because, you know, you're allowed to claim professional expenses, uh, tax relief on your professional expenses. You know, you, you really should be um, doing that and making yep. sure that you're being as tax efficient as you can. Yeah, and, you know, that's why we started this podcast to help to educate you on common financial issues for doctors. And hopefully this is changing your behavior. All right, that was epic tax trivia about the link between tax and the phrase burning the candle at both ends. But talking of burning the candle at both ends, i got to get to a meeting. You've yep. got some oh, yes. work to yeah, do. 10 minutes. So we'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. If yeah, you do get us. time to drop us in a review, uh, that would be much appreciated and we read some of them out. And we'll look forward to catching up with you on the next podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. See you soon.